good day, and thank you all for joining us. My name is Leora Zach, and I am part of the Family Office Solutions team at UBS. Family Office Solutions is a dedicated team of specialists that work to provide advice to clients with exceptional financial success. I am pleased to be joined with two of the partners at NextSpark today, Miles Molino and James Carey. NextSpark is a family office headquartered in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, that was built with a mission to provide equity and sponsorship to growing businesses across the country. NextSpark's founder, Len Pagan, built a technology consulting firm in 1989 called Brulant, grew it to be the third largest privately held agency in North America, and sold it to a private equity-backed strategic called Rosetta in 2008. NextSpark was founded shortly after with the mission of helping other founders spark new growth for their own companies. Now to share some more background on our speakers, Miles and James. Miles Molyneux has been the CFO of NextSpark since 2013. Miles focuses on transaction execution and providing operational financial support to their portfolio companies. In his free time, Miles enjoys boating, baseball, and spending time with his three daughters. James Carey is head of origination and responsible for analyzing new investment opportunities, due diligence, portfolio optimization, and working with their partners on M&A initiatives. He is based in South Florida and enjoys spearfishing, mountain biking, and is expecting his second child in just a few weeks. Miles, James, thank you again for spending some time with us today. As we can all appreciate, your family office is truly differentiated in terms of its mission. To start off our Q&A session today, can you provide some more information on your team's focus, how your family office is staffed, and what makes you unique? Well, this is James Carey. I'm, I'm happy to kick off. I think as far as our focus, we are certainly focused on the lower middle market. We are mostly industry agnostic, but do tend to focus on a lot of business services and professional services opportunities given our backgrounds and experience. I think one of the things that makes us unique is that for all intents and purposes, we act and feel like a growth equity firm, but with a much more operationally focused mission. We are very involved with our portfolio companies, and we have the ability to make minority and both majority investments. And we're also flexible on our timing as well. We can be involved with the company for two years or 10 years. I would say the majority of the businesses that we are involved with do follow that traditional three to five year window but each portfolio company is different. Great, thank you, James. How much of the portfolio is allocated to direct investments? Do you see this allocation shifting in the future? Currently, 60 to 70% or so uh, are in direct investments, some of which are minority investments, uh, the majority of which are majority investments. We didn't come up with that allocation five or 10 years ago and, and work to reach that allocation. And I think our, our target allocation it's pretty fluid depending on what opportunities exist out there in the marketplace. So it's hard to say that it's, it's going to change. I'm sure it's going to change just by uh, depending on the acquisitions we do. We are also involved in real estate. We're involved in private equity funds, uh, certainly in investing in the market as well. So it just depends on the performance of all those. But I imagine it will remain at, at greater than 50% of, of the entity's allocation. Great. And and what was the catalyst for bringing a business development partner in-house to source deal flow with, with James's role? 
Um, have you seen other families doing this? What are some of the benefits that you've seen? Yeah, I don't think of another family doing it and seeing success. I think it was probably the lack of focus or lack of success in finding the right companies for several years. Not that we didn't find the right companies, but we had all sorts of people reaching out to us directly, whether it was investment bankers or other PE firms looking to sell some of their portfolio companies, whether it was through the YPO network or just other network. It was just a constant barrage of uh, of opportunities. So it was it was hard to find or identify which ones were the best ones. Um, but we also wanted to find companies that, that weren't ones that weren't that were necessarily up for sale that were sort of before that, uh, or even in certain target areas or target industries that we were interested in. Uh, so without having a business development professional, we just didn't have the time to focus on that. And that was probably the main the main catalyst of bringing James in was a, a focused effort to identify companies that were in industries that we were interested in and of the right size. And what types of opportunities are you investing in when it comes to sector, size, their management team? Uh, do you target similar industries based on prior experience with the original business that was sold? Maybe you can give us some more color on that. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to take that one. Um, I think, you know, the types of opportunities that we're investing in are, are typically higher growth stage businesses. So most likely they're, you know, under five years old, so they're relatively new companies. They're probably above, just above a venture type of business, but right below what a traditional private equity lower middle market firm would look for. So there's a little sweet spot there for us to play in. And we really honestly look at management teams. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of great opportunities out there, but I think what our focus really is, is investing in great people and backing great entrepreneurs. So um, from a size perspective, I would say our sweet spot would be that one to five million of EBITDA from, a, from, a, from an EBITDA perspective. And as far as an industry goes, frankly, we're pretty industry agnostic if you look at our portfolio. Uh, that being said, we do have uh, theses in and around industries that we will proactively go out and market to. And then I think we also say that, that we do naturally tend, just given our background, and our founders' experience in professional services, we do tend to see a lot more of those opportunities outside of, you know, professional services or business services space. And how many deals do you do a year? It depends. I think, I, you know, I would say, you know, deals or versus investments. I think we make multiple investments a year. Our goal is to do, you know, I would say two to three majority deals a year and a handful of minority investments and add-ons into that. It really depends on the year and and kind of where we are. Some years are busier than others. And I think the the unique thing about us is because we don't have a fund and outside pressure to put capital to work, we can be pretty selective in the types of opportunities that we do invest in. So it really, it really frankly just depends on the timing and, and, and what's going on in the market. And do you provide more than just equity capital? Well, we, we're not a lender, so we don't do debt. But, you know, we, again, we can do minority investments and majority investments. So I would say the majority of our, the majority of, of what we provide is equity capital. And as it relates to leadership and management coaching or activity within the business, do you play an active role or more of a passive role? Oh, I would say that we are very active compared to most other family offices. We, we are not just writing the check and going away. We only invest in businesses where we feel that we can add value. So from a minority perspective, if, if we make a minority investment, 
We want to be on the board. We want to be advising the entrepreneur, the CEO on his or her growth. And if we do a majority investment, uh, clearly we're on the board and uh, we do a full operations team. Uh, my partner, Miles, gets very involved in the financial aspects of the business from a you know, week-to-week and month-to-month basis. And uh, I would say that, yeah, we're, we're very, very actively involved compared to most other families. We want people who are interested in our intellectual capital as well as our financial capital. And is there a certain return threshold or time horizon that you have in place? I mean, I think we're, we're probably very similar to the normal private equity that it's sort of a three or seven, three to seven year period. Uh, I think we went into things, I don't know, five, seven, nine years ago. And it was always the idea of as long as we're having fun and you know, companies growing and things are going well, we're just going to hold on to it. And I think having a lack of timeline wasn't helpful to us in that we weren't looking every quarter or every six months and thinking about what the best valuation would be, what the best return would be, when is the best time. So we had a, a probably maybe a little bit of lack of rigor of diligence around that. So now we, we do typically have a three to five, five to seven year time frame from that area. Uh, but it's not a, a specific hard time frame. And if things last longer than that, that that's fine too. Uh, just because it is a family office, we don't have to return that capital that quickly. The other thing that has been a problem with not having a time frame or was a problem with not having a time frame is it's very hard to attract seasoned private equity C-level employees to these companies because if they don't see a three or five year time frame and they think it might take you seven to 10 years to sell something, that's not what they typically want to sign up for. Uh, they're looking for, you know, often two, three, four more transactions in their careers. And if you're doing a, a long-term hold, that makes it more difficult for them to get out or, or achieve that. Great. And shifting to networking, how do you connect with other family offices today? Do you ever club together on deals with, with these families? Well, I'll take the networking piece. I mean, I think we're we're actively involved in the market. I, I would say that we attend all the you know, the major trade shows and, and industry events that a traditional private equity firm would, but it's also industry specific too as well. So we actively get involved with some of our portfolio companies and in their industries. Um, from other families' pers- perspective, we do do a lot of networking with other families. And over the last, you know, call it five to 10 years, you have seen more families shift to a similar model to what we do. Uh, whether making, you know, competing with other private equity firms to make direct investments in, you know, lower middle market stage companies. Um, as far as plumbing goes, uh, Miles, I'll let you take that one. So typically we have not done any club deals with, with other family offices because of the size of the companies that we're typically targeting. Uh, it allows us to, you know, buy and, and control 60 to 80% of the business with the founder ideally sticking on and, and owning the rest. Or a majority of the rest doesn't mean we can't do club deals in the future, but it's just not it's not something we've we've done. To the extent perhaps we find a, a larger deal that we don't want to put as much equity in, you know, we'd certainly reach out more likely to yeah, other family offices or, or just in our network to to co-invest with us, which just have not done so so far. Got it. And as we wrap up our Q and A session today, what is the one piece of advice you have for families looking to get more active in the direct investment space? You know, as far as um, other families getting into the direct investment space, certainly having uh, some individuals on your team that do have private equity experience, uh, folks that have done, you know, come from a, maybe a larger private equity firm that they're doing 50 deals a year, 
you know, 20 deals a year, things of that nature. Um, that certainly helps having that experience in, in your back pocket. And then I also would say, make sure you have a clear outlined investment thesis. Uh, if you're kind of just going to get out there and just get a bunch of sins from investment bankers and you, you, you could spin your wheels for, for a long time. So having a clear outlined investment thesis of what you're actually looking to invest in, uh, will yield positive results in a much shorter amount of time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, having the right team. Uh, head of the family office might have had a, a strong exit at one point. Doesn't mean they're going to be great in other uh, in other business investments. So having a right team, both from a transaction perspective, whether it's you know attorneys, uh, diligence folks, that kind of thing, but operational team afterwards as well, uh, I would say are pretty important. Well, thank you both for spending time with us today. This was a great discussion, and we really appreciate it. Um, this concludes our podcast today, and we thank you all for joining. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice, and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS Group AG and is a member of FINRA and SIPC. 